Well, good morning. My name is Ben, and I am the vicar slash student director, as you can see there. One of the only members on staff with a slash in his title. So um, I'm glad that you're with us this morning. Uh, Join us for uh, the fourth part of a four-part series called Faith Forward, where we're talking about what God's word has to say about giving and about generosity and how we're supposed to live our lives. And so uh, I noticed that in the last three weeks, as, as Pastor Tim has led us in this message series, that he has a boat now. Uh, and I thought, well, I better take a crack at this thing. I don't want a boat. I could use a house, though. So we're in the market right now. Anybody? Uh, I'm kidding, of course. But just to quickly recap what we've been talking about these last few weeks. Uh, in week one, we talked about just the, the, the fact that we believe what God's word tells us is that God owns everything that the people of God in the Old Testament consistently gave a portion, and that was a tithe, a tenth. And they gave it to the house of God. They gave it to the church. And the people of God in the Old Testament also joyously gave free will offerings. They gave above and beyond on occasion when there was a need that needed to be met. And then leaders led the way by giving. If we look at the pattern that had been set in the Old Testament, it would be this, that there was a portion set aside regularly, and then they gave sacrificially, occasionally. On a regular basis, they gave a portion. On a regular basis, they gave a tithe. And then every so often, they would go above and beyond and give sacrificially. And then last week, Pastor Tim shared with us what, what Jesus had to say on the matter. Here in the New Testament, what, did, what does Jesus have to say about money? And he had a lot to say about money. The, the, the New Testament, the Gospels are filled with Jesus' teachings on how we handle our finances. So if God's word says it, then we're going to talk about it because it's important. God said it. He put it there in his word. Jesus talked about it. And so if you were here with us last week, you realize that as Jesus was talking about finances, he's also talking about our heart and where our heart is inclined and actually what is on the throne of our heart. And this week, we're going to be talking about the early church, the church after Jesus ascended, and then this church that's being established by the apostles. How is it? that they lived a generous life. I'm going to remind you, those of you that have been with us, uh, that there's some ground rules here, uh, that if there's, um, well, first off, if you're a guest, if you're a guest here this morning, if you're, if you're watching for the first time online, uh, you have to make me the deal, you're going to watch next week. We're done with money talk. Next week, we'd love for you to join us, and we'll actually start a series as we approach Easter. And so we'd love for you to join us in that. And also, if, if there's an amazing story, I, I've heard, Pastor Tim has shared with me, there's some amazing stories that are coming out of tithing stories, people that have given for the first time, started tithing for the first time, uh, and, and then they saw how God worked in kind of a supernatural or miraculous way in their life uh, when they started giving. And, and if you have one of those stories, I would love to hear it. And if there's something you hear today that doesn't quite mesh with what you understand or believe and it, it kind of upsets you a little bit, and then I, I would, don't want you to go home and to, to share that with your spouse or talk about it in your small group. I would love for you to talk to Pastor Tim about that. <laughs> Any complaints, Tim at sgatechurch.org, uh, you can send his way. But in all seriousness, we want to have those conversations. If there's something that just doesn't line up or you don't quite understand, we want to have a dialogue. We want to talk about it. Uh, so as we're moving forward, uh, these are our focus verses and have been for the last few weeks. Uh, 2 Corinthians 8, 7 and 9, 7. And they say, just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, 
And in your love for us, see that you also excel in the grace of giving. M97 says, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. God loves it when we're generous, because when we're generous, we do a pretty good job of reflecting his character, because he has that type of character. As I look at these verses, it makes me think, as we head into this new church, or the, 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 the new church that's being planted uh, in the New Testament, all of a sudden, here's these apostles, what are they going to do? makes me think about the question you'd be asked. It's like, what are you going to do? By like a guidance counselor. If money was no object, what would you do with the rest of your life? Okay, Jesus has promised the Holy Spirit to you. What are you going to do now? So for you, and for me this morning, if, if money was no object, well, what would you do with the rest of your life? Well, actually, you can answer that. What would you do with the rest of your life? You had money was no object. Travel? Go sit on a beach somewhere? Hire a babysitter? Take a nap? Any other young parents out there? <laughs> Finances are no problem. Take the longest nap possible. Yeah. What money does, I believe, is it, it can actually act as an amplifier. So if you had endless resource and the condition of your heart was generous, now you have more resource to be generous with. Now if you're stingy and you don't have a lot of money and then you add a bunch of money, you're probably still going to be stingy. It's not, the money itself isn't going to change the condition of your heart. It actually makes me think about this. It's like, it, <laughs> when I was growing up in my household, one of the prized things that we had on occasion uh, for some reason was my dad loved a certain type of beef jerky. King B beef jerky doesn't exist anymore. You can go try to find it. Uh, we loved it. And he would give a, a bag for himself and a bag for me and my, my two sisters. And, uh, and he'd give it to my sister who was older than myself. So me, uh, I'm a middle child, older sister, myself, younger sister, have one bag. And I never watched so closely in my life how something was divided, right? Like, okay, okay, so they have three ounces, I have three ounces. Like, you're watching the pieces, right? The condition of my heart wasn't generous. The condition of my heart was I want to make sure that I'm not being cheated here, right? I'm getting my fair portion. What actually happened a little bit later as they were starting to go out of business and not into so many gas stations near us, my dad actually found them online. And he bought boxes of this beef jerky. <laughs> and you know what? condition of my heart didn't change. Now I, instead of having just a little portion of two or three ounces of this beef jerky, I had a bags and I could stockpile in my room myself, right? Now all of a sudden the abundance that he had offered me didn't actually change anything in me. What we see here in the early church is that what they're offered by the apostles, what new believers are offered by the apostles isn't some financial gain and it isn't beef jerky, but it is that they hear the good news and there's a response. There's no change to the new believer's financial state or their financial circumstance, but there is a change to their spiritual state. And there is a response that comes from that. So we see in Acts chapter 2, as the church is starting, the Holy Spirit that had been promised had come down on Peter and the other apostles, that they spoke in various languages to those who were in Jerusalem at the time gathered there, and they shared the gospel with them for the first time. And as those people heard the gospel of Jesus, what he had done for them, they responded. 3,000 were baptized. We, we had the, the pleasure and privilege of seeing today in the first service Asher be baptized and then Ethan be baptized in this service. We saw two baptisms, two children of God being invited to the family. It was an amazing thing. And there on that day, they added 3,000 that day. And so the church did what the church does. 
They baptized, they, they committed themselves to teaching and to gathering together, the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, like we're going to do later, one of the many gifts God gives us, the waters of baptism and also the Lord's Supper and prayer. And everyone, everyone there was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And all the believers were together and had everything in common. And here comes a miracle. They spoke in different languages that they didn't know. Miracle. 3,000 people had their hearts turned back to God. They repented, and they were baptized, and they became believers. Miracle. They saw signs and wonders, and they were gathering together. It's a miracle. And they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. I think that's miraculous. Their financial circumstance didn't change somewhere in the middle of Peter's sermon. But the condition of their heart, the inclination of their heart changed in response to hearing the gospel. And it was in abundance. It wasn't like, oh, wow, that's great. I should start giving to your church, Peter. It was, no, there's new believers here from around the world gathered in Jerusalem, and if there's someone among us who has need, well, I'll sell. I'm going to sell my field. I'm going to sell my house. I'm going to sell whatever possessions I have because I know someone has a need. Think about what, what would your neighbors think of you if all of a sudden they noticed that in your, car, or in your driveway, instead of two cars, there was one. And if they came up and they asked you, it's like, so what, what happened? Where you, get, you guys get a new car? Are you going to leave something? You're waiting on something? Waiting for one of the microchips, right, to come through, and you're going to get, you know, it's going to... And your response to them was like, oh, actually, a member at my church uh, fell on hard times, had some medical bills piling up, and uh, we just decided we'd figure out how to live on one car so that they didn't have to worry about that. That is the type of generosity that's taking place here, and that's why I believe it's miraculous. It's not friends, it's not family, it is a fellow child of God who is in need, and the church, through the gift of the Holy Spirit, is responding in what I believe to be a supernatural way. And we look at that and go, how? How is that possible? How, how are we supposed to see that same kind of generosity today? And we're, we're going to dig into God's Word and see what God's Word has to say about it. So if you would, you can actually grab a Bible. We're going to be in 1 Timothy chapter 6. It's going to be found on page 993. Uh, so there's uh, Bibles in the chairs, uh, in under the chairs in front of you, or if you're in the front row, under your chair. Uh, and if you're watching online, I encourage you also to follow along with these verses as we're going to hang in 1 Timothy and then jump around the New Testament a little bit to see what the early church did. How were they generous? Was it just here in the response to Pentecost and what was taught by Peter and the other apostles, or do we see other instances of abundant generosity, of scandalous generosity, really? What's interesting about looking at Timothy, too, as I look at this book, it's, uh, it's a young pastor. It's a, here's Paul writing to this young guy, Timothy, who's the pastor of a, quite a large church, actually, for that time, and Paul is, like, mentoring him and telling him, hey, Timothy, this is, this is how things are. This is, how, this is how you're supposed to lead, and these are the things that you need to talk about. These are the things you need to watch out for. And here in chapter 6, Paul starts to offer Timothy some instruction on what it is to be generous and what to do with finances and what to do if there's those among him that want to get rich. And so we're going to see what Paul has to say to Timothy. It starts off this way. But godliness with contentment is great gain. I struggle with that, the, the word right in the middle of that sentence, contentment. 
Does anybody else struggle with that one? Godliness, trying to, trying to pursue God's will in my life, what he's set before me. But man, in our society, there's just every reason to want more. To want a bigger house, to want a better vacation, to want more of whatever it is, to want the things that we don't have versus wanting what we already have and being content with what we learned in week one, that God has given us everything. Everything that you have is not your own, but it is his. Because the following verse, it says this, you brought nothing into the world. When you came into this world, you had none of it. All the things you have now, those are gifts from God. And that when you leave this world, you can take nothing out of it. I mean, it's something that we know, we've talked about before, but just to think about, there's nothing that we can do to, to take those things with us when we die. This actually is kind of pointed, isn't it? Here's a picture of a full garage, and it says underneath, one day, son, all of this, all of this will be yours. <laughs> See, at least the, the father there, he, he doesn't try to fool himself into thinking that he can take it with him. So he'll go ahead and bequeath it to his son, you know, one day when he passes, that that full garage of stuff, junk, would one day be his son's. He knows he can't take it with him. And then when we look at a picture like that, I mean, it makes me think sometimes my garage might reflect that more than I care to admit. Uh, maybe yours too. But it makes me think about like a show like Hoarders or something, if you've seen that, where people just kind of accrue and collect things. It could be random stuff. It could be newspapers. It could be this, that, the other thing. But for what reason? There's no purpose for gathering all that stuff around yourself. <laughs> and then it makes me think, it makes me think, well, when God looks at, looks at me accruing wealth, we, or looks at us trying to accrue wealth and have big bank accounts instead of full garages, does he look at it in a similar fashion and go, that's not what that was for. There's actually a meaning and purpose. There's stuff in here that's useful and you're supposed to put it to use and, and in your finances, if you're not being generous and you're not blessing others or blessing God's people or blessing God's church, with all that he's giving you, and you're just stockpiling it and hoarding it for yourself, what does that say to God? Just a full barn, a full garage, and nothing being put to use. What does God want for us to have? Well, it goes on and it says, so you can't take anything out, you brought nothing in, you can take nothing out of this world, how can you be content if you have food and clothing? And I can say in all confidence that there's someone that's watching here in this room right now or online who is struggling in one of these areas with food or clothing that you should reach out to this church because this is a very generous church that would help provide for your needs. Paul's telling Timothy that the secret to contentment isn't making sure that you have whatever you need set aside before a blessing, but hey, see to it, your, your basic needs are going to be met. You have food and clothes. Be content with that. But those who want to get rich, those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Not those who are rich, those who want to get rich. And in our society, who doesn't want to get rich? I mean, there's commercials and there's infomercials, there's all these things that are, are marketed to us about like how we can get rich, right? 
some real estate scheme, getting into some timeshares, whatever it may be, uh, all of our cryptocurrency, you want to get rich quick, right? Not just rich, you want to get rich quick. And what Paul is telling Timothy here is, that, hey, hold the phone. I need to warn you, because if they want to get rich, they're going to fall into temptation. Being rich isn't sinful in and of itself, but if you're just wanting and desiring more, and you, your heart just wants more for you, well, you're going to fall into temptation, and there's a real danger there because that could lead to your destruction. It actually goes on, and it says this, verses that you may be familiar with. It says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Not money itself. The love of it. It taking a place that it shouldn't within your heart. You desiring it above all else instead of wanting to serve the one who came and served you. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. So money itself isn't evil. But if you love money and trying to accrue money and trying to gather money and try to fill up your storehouses for yourself, there's a danger here that will lead to destruction. And as it says here, wandered from the faith. There could be no greater warning or concern for any of us here this morning. That if Jesus is is teaching us through his word, as Paul's writing to Timothy here, he's saying that if all you desire is money, it could lead you down a path that might lead to some temporary gain, might lead to some temporary comfort here in this world, but it might also lead to eternal separation from God. This is a stark warning for us. And then as I looked at this, I was like, well, where in Scripture do we actually see? Is there someone, is there an example where someone loved money so much that they actually wandered away from God? Can we think of, is there any time someone that is so fixated on gaining some wealth that they just walked away from the faith altogether? After having followed in his footsteps for three years, learning from him, doing ministry on his behalf, Judas Iscariot went and collected 30 pieces of silver to betray the Son of God. That's what came to mind for me. Measly 30 pieces of silver, a little bit of silver, and he was willing to betray the very Son of God. And that's why these words are important and they're critical for us to understand. This is, this is the warning that Paul is giving to Timothy and Timothy needs to give to his church and tell his people it's not that God's greedy or trying to hoard wealth or take wealth from you or he doesn't want you to enjoy your life. No, he wants you to have eternal life and he's concerned about the condition of your heart. And if you're not able to be generous with all that he's given you and the inclination of your heart can, can go after building things up for yourself and you can fall into that temptation, then you and I are susceptible to the same sin that Judas was, that we would pursue wealth and try to accrue wealth for ourselves more so than we would want to serve Jesus. He goes on to say, teach those who are rich. Now we're not talking about those who just want to get rich. Now we're talking about those who already have wealth. They actually knew how to accrue some wealth in the present world. Teach those who are rich in the present world not to be arrogant nor put their hope in wealth, which is uncertain. Does wealth feel uncertain right now? In these last years, all of a sudden with inflation, with gas prices, with with war going on, with the way the market, there's so much uncertainty. We can feel that right now, can't we? 
There's no certainty in wealth. It is shifting sand, and you can have it one day, and it can be gone the next. But don't trust the shifting sand of wealth, but put your hope in God, a God who richly provides everything for our enjoyment, which you have to love. It's not that God wants you to just to give everything to him in his church, and then you can't enjoy anything in your life. You know, I'm only supposed to have food and clothing. Well, even that, he's given us food and clothing. He's given you guys shelter. He's given us food to enjoy a variety of it. God's given us coffee. God loves us. (laughs) He wants us to enjoy this world, doesn't he? He created, it is broken and it is fallen, but there are still things on this side of eternity that are here for our enjoyment. For no other reason, why would there be beautiful landscapes of mountains or being able to go to the beach and those things that we can enjoy? God has given those things to us for us to enjoy. But not to put our trust in those things either, but to trust the God, to put our hope in the God who has given us those things in abundance. And Paul goes on to teach Timothy, he says, teach them, those who are rich, to, to do good. And to be rich, not in finances, but to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Early church. Church today, do you want life that's truly life? God's word says there's a way to have life that's truly life. It's only through his son and in response to what his son has done He calls us now to be useful, to do good deeds that he has prepared for us because we are his workmanship and he's prepared things for you to do. Things to do now with just a garage that's chucked full of a whole bunch of stuff, but to get out there and get your hands dirty and to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to bless others, to do good, to be rich in those good deeds and to be generous and willing to share all that you have, recognizing that it's not your own. You're merely a steward of what God has given you and he wants to use you to bless others. And typically the way that we see God working is the way that he wants to bless others is through you. But he's not going to bless others through you until you can come to the realization that he has blessed you first. He wants to do a blessing in you and then he can bless people through you. And then in 1 Corinthians, Paul writes this about giving. Because there's, there's, you know, some may wonder. So we saw the consistency giving on a regular basis, 10% in the Old Testament. But what do we see in the New Testament? Jesus did talk about tithing. He did address it with the Pharisees, ones who were willing to, to give even a portion of their spices. Now here Paul's writing to the early church, and he's saying, on the first day of every week, when's the first day? Sunday. Sunday, each of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income. That sound like setting aside a portion of your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. See, Paul was going around and supporting churches that had been planted and that were growing and that he was helping instructing and he was telling them, There's tho- there are those that are in need in Jerusalem. So set, set aside some finances, set aside something for them because we want to bless them, even though it's not there in your church, not within your four walls, but they are part of the body of Christ. And you, as a part of the body of Christ, are are called to bless them. He also doesn't say here that to stop blessing the current church that they were at. No, set aside even above and beyond. And here it doesn't, it says a portion, it doesn't say a tenth. You know why that might be? 
Because that, that would be a ridiculous thought to the early church to only give 10%. As we saw in Acts chapter 2, they were selling property, they were selling possessions. Later in Acts, we actually see that those go sell, they sell a field and they bring it to the apostles' feet and they drop all the money there and go, do with it what you will. They're giving it to the church and saying, bless others with it. They're giving, way, they're giving a reverse tithe. They're, they're giving away 90% and living off 10. There is abundant generosity that's taking place here. Then in 2 Corinthians 9, and this actually has one of our focus verses right in the middle of it, but the verses around it are valuable to read as well. It says, the point is this. Those who sow sparingly will reap sparingly, and those who sow bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must do as he has made up in his mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to provide you with every blessing in abundance so that you may always have enough of everything and may provide in abundance for every good work. God wants us to give cheerfully, and it can come from this place, recognizing that the one who provides still to this day in your life and my life is God. He gives us every blessing, and we have everything that we need in abundance, and that he is calling us to do good with the things that he's given us. But as I see verses like this, and I hear terms like the promises of God, or I see terms like every blessing in abundance, it makes me ask the question, so what is the blessing that's being talked about? So, and you can answer this, but love for you too. What are the blessings that you've received? What are the blessings that we have here in this world? Children, most of the time. <laughs> Grandkids. Health. Life itself, a warm house. Every blessing. You had breakfast this morning, you're going to have lunch here after this, most likely. You have clothes on your back, you have family that loves you, you have family that are also believers, and there could be nothing greater than having confidence that they're going to be with me in eternity. You have all these good things in this world, all these things that, in this temporary world, that we're able to enjoy. But elsewhere, it also talks about that God has given us every spiritual blessing and he's given us grace upon grace. Because only upon looking at the spiritual blessings, because there are times in this world when we look at our temporal blessings that it wouldn't necessarily call for an abundantly generous response. You might look at a car that has a check engine light on, you might look at bills coming in the mail and you go, okay, I don't necessarily ha have all that. And man's economy will tell you, okay, I have to do what I can with what I got to make sure I can take care of myself. But if you look at God's economy and you see all the things that he's given you, which includes the very life of his son, that he gave it for you that you might have eternal life, that he's given you Jesus so that now you have forgiveness of sins. He's given you Jesus that you have access to the heavenly father who you didn't have access before. He's given you the Holy Spirit that resides in your heart so that you can look more and more like Jesus and that you can actually understand and respond to what God's doing in your life. He gives you the fact that he will never leave you, he'll never forsake you, so no matter what it is that you're walking through or what your situation currently is, that you can have joy and you can have peace knowing that the creator of the universe walks in step with you. And he's also giving you hope of life everlasting with him. And when you look at those blessings, those abundant blessings which God gives you, that is what calls in us a response. 
to say, God has given me more than I could ever think or ask or imagine, so now I am called to do something with this because it's not just the things that are here right in front of me, but here are all these spiritual blessings that I can't necessarily take hold of, but I understand that through Jesus I have grace upon grace and new mercies each and every day. I have a God who's going to provide because he provided through his son and he's going to provide in every way and I trust in him. He's given you this as well. Beer and chicken. <laughs> Just like coffee, but there's a story behind this. So I, I remember this story from a while back. Back in 2008, there was a lady by the name of Carol. She was in her 60s. And for whatever reason, she, she, her heart was failing. And she needed a brand new heart. She underwent a, a whole heart transplant. A, a transplant of her heart, uh, received a new heart, and after recovering in the hospital and then returning home, she noticed something, something that wasn't there before. All of, all of a sudden, seemingly out of nowhere, Carol had an insatiable taste for beer and for chicken. <laughs> Connecting through the donor network and finding out exactly who gave the heart, she finds out it's this young man from New England in his early 20s, and he had passed. But before he passed, family shared with Carol that he was a beer enthusiast and he loved KFC. <laughs> and somehow, some way, that found its way to Carol for her having a new desire, a new taste, a new hunger. And here's what I love about God and how he works, is that I don't have to conjure up or stir up within myself generosity towards God. But as he gives me a new heart, as he gives me the heart of Jesus, that I am able to reflect it because God's working through me. God has done a new thing in me. He's doing a new thing in you. So when he calls you to be generous, it's not by your own effort or your own will, but through the Holy Spirit residing in you. You have a new hunger. You have a new taste. You have acquired a new taste to be generous and to do good deeds because that's what God is working in you and how God wants to work through you. It's, it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 15, it says this, Christ died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Your life isn't your own anymore. Your heart isn't your heart anymore. It's his heart. And we are called to respond to a broken world and to those that are in need in the exact same way that we would see Jesus himself do it because he's working in us and he is working through us. We see evidence of this here uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, where Paul's going around, he's, he's going to these churches, he's gathering these, th th these finances to take back to Jerusalem, to those that are in need, that are part of the church. And this is what he says. He says, we want you to know, brothers and sisters, about the grace of God that has been granted to the churches of Macedonia for doing during a severe ordeal of affliction, this wasn't during a great time. They didn't just get a big bonus check. They didn't just get a big raise. During some big ordeal, their abundant joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed into a wealth of generosity on their part. For, as I can testify, they vo voluntarily gave according to their means and even beyond their means. You can see here clearly, this is not just the church in Macedonia. These people are just great people and super generous people. They're responding to the abundant grace that God has given them, that they can find joy, even in affliction, 
even in poverty, and that they wouldn't just give what they felt was necessary, but that they would go above and beyond in, in abundance to give to Paul to say, here, here's everything that we can possibly do and more that we'll do without because we want to bless those others that are part of the body of Christ because we feel compelled to do it. It didn't make sense. Again, it didn't make sense on the earthly spreadsheet, on man's economy, on God's economy. They go, we know it's more blessed to give than to receive, so we want to bless others, even though our situation, our circumstance doesn't really warrant the idea for us to be really generous right now. They didn't say, wait, Paul, come, come back. Wait next season after another harvest. Let's see if we can get a little bit more. They were generous beyond their means. And now it's recorded in God's word for us to look back at and go, this is how the early church responded to need. In abundance and beyond their means is how they gave. Not in stingy, trying to keep to themselves all that they can and trying to figure out what's the box I need to check, what's the percentage I need to do. It's in abundance. And Paul goes on and says in Romans 15 about the same topic. He says, now, however, I am on the way to Jerusalem. He's headed to Jerusalem to bless the church there as he's gone to these other churches and collected from them. And so for Macedonia and Achaia, we're pleased to make contributions for the poor among the Lord's people in Jerusalem. Now you look at that and you go, so there's these churches that are, that are growing and they're starting out and they're under much persecution at this point and they don't have a whole lot. And, and if you look at it and you thought, okay, so this is a, a growing church, they're trying to bring people in, they're trying to share the gospel, they're trying to grow, why? in the world would they send finances away? Why in the world would they make a contribution to, to Jerusalem? What, what benefit would it have for them in Macedonia to send money all the way to Jerusalem? But what the early church knew, and what I pray that we know today too, is that it's not just about those that are gathered here or those that are watching online and call Shepherd's Gate home. But we are part of the, the big church. We are part of the kingdom of God and that when we are given the opportunity to bless others that are part of God's family, that we should jump at that opportunity, not, not looking for any sort of return that might come our way. How might I get some other blessing out of this, but just the blessing of knowing that you're doing what God has called you to do to bless God's people who are in need elsewhere. And that's what we believe here at Shepherd's Gate. This is our vision statement. And actually, I encourage you to say this with me. We will value everyone we meet influence everywhere we go, and live generously with everything we have. Do we believe that? We want to value every person. We want to have some sort of influence, a holy influence, a spiritual influence of the gospel everywhere we go. And that God has called us. He has been so, so generous with us that one of the best ways that we as a church and we as individuals can reflect his character is to be generous with everything that we have. That everyone means this, that it's individual, that you can be generous individually, but we can also be generous corporately as a church. And I pray that we are and we're growing in that. And that everywhere we go includes here, Shelby Township, Macomb County, the Metro Detroit area, but it also includes the global mission field because that is where God's kingdom is breaking forth, wherever that's happening, that we want to partner with churches like that, and that we want to give of everything that we have, both physically, financially, of our time, of our, of our skills, that we want to use everything at our disposal that God has given us to be good stewards of to bless God's people. And I actually believe that we're doing this, and, and one of the unique things that has actually taken place here in the last few weeks 
is that there was a church up in Rogers City, Michigan, I think over three hours away, that through contact with, uh, with Pastor Tim, reached out and, and needed some assistance, needed some help, knew that we had some expertise here on staff and had some ability to help them do something that they couldn't do themselves. And you might look at it and go, okay, so we are going to send staff and we're going to help kind of orchestrate finances in Rogers City, just like the early church, just like Macedonia. Like, well, what benefit does that have for us? It's Rogers City. It's some other church. Well, it's part of the body of Christ who's in need and we have the ability to bless them. And that's what God has called us to do. So we sent staff up there. Kurt and JJ went up there. We helped secure a grant for them and then used some funds to make sure that the project that they were working on up there was at zero expense to them and that we were able to bless part of the body of Christ just knowing that that's what we're called to do and we don't need to know anything else. So we'll use anything at our disposal to bless those who are in need. So I encourage you uh, to go ahead and watch this video that shares a little bit about this. All right, here we are about to head three and a half hours up north and do the final install for Peace Lutheran Church. Yeah, we're excited. No bathroom breaks, straight on, right? <laughs> True. Hey, here we are, there's our sign. Hey Shepherd's Gate, Jim Jensen here, uh, uh, along with our technical director, Kurt Perkins, and uh, Pastor Derek Riddle of Peace Lutheran Church in Rogers City. We're pretty far up north. We went from highways to smaller roads to a road that had snow covered from a field on it, but we made it in beautiful country up here. But you may be asking, why are we four hours north of Shepherd's Gate? Well, the answer is that Peace Lutheran Church is about to start a contemporary service but uh, the connection really came through you and Pastor Tim. So tell us about that. Okay. Well, yeah, so Tim and I have gotten to know each other a little bit through the Michigan Board of, uh, District Board of Directors where we serve together. And uh, we wound up having a conversation as a result of some conversations we were having here first uh, back in the fall. And um, I kind of floated an idea to him and was kind of curious uh, where that might lead and how receptive he might be or if he had any suggestions for me. And basically one thing led to another uh, from there. He was uh, very open to the possibility of maybe partnering together and helping us get some things figured out. And a lot of doors have just kind of continued uh, to open from there. So it kind of started from really just that one conversation and things have kept going. Yeah, and uh, the way we're partnering is uh, primarily with our worship team. So uh, tell us a little bit about how that's going to work. Okay. So again, that's one of our obstacles has always been how do we um, have you know music without having live musicians. So um, the uh, you know, you're going to be sharing recordings of your worship team uh, songs that you've recorded, and we're just going to plug those into our our service as if you're here. So we've got a large screen and, and just be kind of almost as if you're here, maybe larger than life in some ways. So, <laughs> Yeah, this is really exciting, Shepherd's Gate. Our worship team is actually going to be in two churches at once starting uh, in March. We'll be live, of course, uh, in our worship center, but our recordings uh, that we are sending to Peace Lutheran will also be played as their worship music uh, each Sunday in this contemporary service. So very exciting way to kind of share resources together and we're very excited about it. 
Also, our Mission 16 team got involved, our team that uh, looks at local and international missions, and uh, we were able to uh, fund a lot of this equipment that you needed to start the projector, the screen, and so on. And so we're really happy to do that too. That's what uh, Kurt Perkins, our technical director, and I are up here doing right now is just installing, uh, finishing installing that equipment and getting everything ready. You're starting this Sunday, right? This Sunday already, yeah. So we're kind of referring to it as an unofficial beginning, and we're going to have a couple months. We're going to launch officially uh, two weeks after Easter, first Sunday in May. So this will give us a couple months to work some bugs out and kind of figure things out as we go. So, Cool. Well, um, we're just so excited that this worked out. We are excited for Peace Lutheran Church and our um, you know, partnership together. We'll definitely try to keep tabs on how things are going with you and continue to share our music with you and whatever resources we have. But um, just thank you for allowing us the privilege of being able to serve you and your congregation. We're excited to hear what happens. Uh, well, thank you guys. We're so grateful and appreciative and excited as well.